0: We are all human, so this morning every one of us has an element of brokenness. So I want us to hold the bread up to remember that he too is broken, and his brokenness is so that our brokenness would be healed. So as we receive your body by faith, Lord Jesus, would you bring the wholeness into our lives that you died for, as we receive your broken body to replace our brokenness with wholeness. Jesus, you said that your blood was shed as a new covenant. It's like you washed away all the old, all that oldness that we just held up to you to be healed. You washed it all away when you shed your blood on the cross and you said, everything's new. All that old stuff is finished and this is the new. And so as we receive your blood, we're celebrating that first off that it makes us all one and second that it's going to restore us to oneness with you in the kingdom one day soon. So thank you for your blood. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for our unity. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We're gonna pass the baskets. Uh, for our tithes and offerings and uh, if you're giving cash you need a receipt grab an envelope from the uh, from the tables uh, or from the baskets I want to thank you for your giving and uh, thank you to those watching or listening after the event as well Uh, because we know that this week we have a lot of folks away on different things but thank you for your giving because it makes it possible for us to do what we've just been doing. We have a building to meet in. We have technology that enables us to worship even when we don't have all the instrumentalists to be able to do that live. And uh, it makes all of this gathering possible. So thank you for giving. And Father, as we give to you, we're trusting that you are providing everything we need. So receive our offerings, whether they're being given right now in this moment or they've been given already but you receive our love receive the the overflow of our hearts expressed through our finances because we love you because you're wonderful so thank you for providing for us in jesus name hallelujah
1: He's saying, is it coming sooner than you think?
0: That's it. Amen. Thank you, Annette. <laughs> so beautiful. I want us to stay in that place of Focus on his love. As you can see, we're a slightly more intimate gathering than normal because we've got a whole bunch of folks off doing other things, and that's okay. Uh, but I want us to focus in on two or three Thoughts, key thoughts that have kind of settled in my heart over the last couple of weeks. Because of the way things have gone, I mean, last week we had Pastor Appreciation. I want to say how grateful Jane and I were for that, uh, and I'll refer to that in a minute. Um, but this morning we're going to be a bit more interactive. So please don't settle into listen to Mark mode. I mean, do listen to Mark, but (laughs) don't settle into I can just listen for the next 30, 40 minutes. um, Because we're going to be more interactive and I'm going to ask you to chip in with thoughts and so on. And I'm going to kind of spark that with some thoughts of my own, if I may. Okay. So first off, we hosted the uh, Father Heart Ministries B-School That's two weeks ago now, we've had a week in between, but it was a very powerful time, a very very worthwhile time. And I know that uh, even last Sunday we were encouraging a number of you to put the A school on your calendars and expect to be there, plan to be there. Uh, That's in uh, February next year, February 19th to 25th, the dates are already on our website. And if you start saving now, it's only going to cost you, I think, 25 bucks a week till the school to pay for all of that registration, meals, the whole thing. Uh, It's for a whole week. So plan your work schedule so that you can be here uh, all day, each day for that week. Because it's a really important um, time to experience the expanded version of what we just experienced together this morning. What was that? Simply being in God's presence. So my first thought that I want us to unpack together is that God created us for being more than doing. That will take you the whole of your lifetime to grasp. But God created you for being before doing. It's not that there's no doing, But the doing has to come from the right being otherwise the doing is unhelpful let me say a couple of things around it and then we'll throw it open to see what other people want to add in first off a well-known verse you'll have heard me say many times psalm 46 verse 10 anybody know what that says be still and know that i am god yes not me him (laughs) be still and know that I am God and when you dig into what the Hebrew really says it's not just about shh it's about stop running get off the hamster wheel (laughs) make your brain get off the hamster wheel cease striving Cut off your effort to do something to connect with God. That's why I love those songs this morning, Jamie. I mean, aren't we blessed with our worship folks who who pick what we can sing together to help us really connect with God? Because every time, whoever it is, Jamie or Jane or Ira or Jan or John, we've got so many of them. it's, It's beautiful because, you know, different folks every week. But each week there's that sense of just, here's something that will help your heart be rather than do. And that's why our gatherings together are so valuable as well. Now, when it comes to being before doing, the first place I go in my mind is Jesus because he if you recall okay we're coming up to christmas in a couple of months we're going to celebrate the incarnation and the birth of jesus but then he lived for 30 years basically in obscurity we've got about what 20 verses that tell us what went on (laughs) in the the flight to egypt and then they went to nazareth um and there was one incident in the temple but apart from that he was just a good boy (laughs) he went home and did what his parents said and he grew in stature and wisdom and god's favor and depending on your translation that was Mark's paraphrase by the way but the very first thing that we see when Jesus steps into his visible public ministry is his baptism and who can remember what happens at Jesus baptism I mean okay he gets wet and his cousin's the one who does it okay Holy Holy Spirit comes down on him like a dove yes And a voice from heaven speaks, and who recalls what the voice says? This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. What had Jesus done? You know where I'm going with this, yes? Nothing. Right? Not as far as ministry, exactly. Exactly. Now, I'm not suggesting that this was the point where God started being pleased with Jesus, because the verses before it tell us that he was growing in favor with God all the time. But God is pleased with Jesus for who he is, not for what he does. And I encourage you to train yourself to hear the same voice for yourself every time you open your eyes. I was going to say every morning when you open your eyes, but I know some of us, including me, like to close our eyes at points during the day as well. So train yourself to hear that same statement about you every time you open your eyes. This is my child whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. At the point where you've so far done nothing. Because until you hear that voice, whatever you do when you get up and start moving, is going to be of less value if you're not doing it out of that revelation. Who you are is the foundation of what you do. That's why these Father Heart Schools are so important. Because we have been trained by fallen humanity in all its forms, whether religion or politics or culture, we have been trained to live like orphans and not like children. Haven't we? You know, Orphans don't know where the next meal is coming from so they have to hang on to everything. Orphans have to compete with one another so that you, know, you don't get more than I got. All of that kind of stuff. Orphans have to prove their worth by what they do. But sons and daughters don't. Interesting thing about parents is that no matter how poorly or rebellious your children turn out, you still love them. Of course, if they turn out perfect, it helps, doesn't it, John and Pat? You know, Yeah, OK. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Matthew. <laughs> but you still love them because they're your kids. But our hearts need to learn that that's the way God sees us. Because too often I see myself through the orphan lens. How could God love me when I thought that or said that or did that or didn't do the other? But actually he loves me because I'm his kid. Not because of anything that I do. One of the things that was taught to us on the B-School was that we need to be careful which tree we're eating from. Remember in the garden? There was only one tree they couldn't eat from. They could have all the (laughs) rest. But what was the tree they couldn't eat from? Knowledge Knowledge of good and evil. Yes. Because then that puts into my hand... What's right and what's wrong. What's good and what's bad. And the deciding and the choosing and the direction and all of those things. And so much of the human condition comes down to we're eating from the wrong tree. But that's what orphans do. (laughs) If I don't have that sense of identity, you are my child whom I love because of who you are, not because of what you do. Until I have that sense of identity, I'm always going to be eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Either I've done something bad and I deserve to be cast out, or I've done something good and, y- and I can see that you've done something bad and therefore I'm better than you. Well, both of those are deadly paths to walk along. <laughs> We're to feed from the tree of life it really influences what happens when we open this book because you know that if you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil this book can become a weapon but if you're eating from the tree of life this book becomes a powerful sword that can cut you free from everything else It's the same book, it's got a very sharp blade, but what we use it for, the lens we read it through, really, really matters. So, being before doing. Let me open the floor for anybody else to add in something on that thought a question or an observation. Annette.
1: directly absolutely directly uh, ties into this Um, some of you know me well some of you know little about me but uh, there was a point in time that I traveled a lot with Jack Frost as part of the ministry (laughs) team he was there too Anyway, there was a, um, I was on a trip to Florida with with Jack and the team and um, it, it, he had an afternoon session and I was assigned to be at that session to do altar ministry, just pray with people. And that church had a, a balcony in it so, while Jack was preaching, teaching, um, I went up in the balcony, and just sat there taking it all in. And I had heard this message that he did over and over. Because, I mean, you travel with Jack, you hear you hear it, you know. And it, he was a wonderfully anointed teacher. So, he... Talked about that afternoon that passage where the Father said to Jesus, You are my beloved Son, and I am well pleased with you. And when he said that, I didn't hear Jack's voice. I heard God speak to me and I did not realize how much I felt like I had failed until that moment when I heard the Lord say to me, you're mine. You're mine, and I love you. I approve of you. I approve of you. And all of the things that I had done in my past that still haunted me to a degree went away right at that moment. And needless to say, I I didn't go do any ministry that afternoon. I lost it, (laughs) totally and completely lost it. I wept and I wept and I wept until all of that ugly stuff from the past just went away. (laughs) And... As I've gotten older and less able to do, I've gotten way more into being. It's who we are, not what we do. Amen. I am am a child of God. And I've gotten more childlike as I've gotten older. Yeah.
0: And I've had the privilege of watching some of that journey, which has been beautiful. Because we held that value very strongly that you have to be before you can do. Annette losing it in the balcony was what she was instructed to do. It was in our team manual. It is more important for you to lose it than it is for you to do it. (laughs) That wasn't quite the wording we used, but if God's doing something in you, catch it. Don't brush it aside for later and go and do your religious thing, whatever it might be. Just let him love you. Thank you. We want to be like you when we grow up. Who else wants to... Yes, indeed. That's a very important point. Uh, that's just saying that she is who she is today because of all of the people along the way, all the relationships along the way that have poured into her. Anybody else got something to share or question? John.
2: Every time I hear a message that has to do with um, being still or that passage uh, in Psalms, um, if you think about it, there is a, there's a part in that that and most of us have experienced when we just get quiet, we seem to get a little bit more closer to hearing the voice of the Lord. And if you've ever experienced that time in your journey where you're like, man, I am not hearing from God. They're hearing it. He's hearing it. She's hearing it. How, how come you're not speaking to me? What's going on? And then what happens when we read scriptures like this, we find ourselves so busy and so caught up and so much noise going on in our head that it's hard to hear anything. And, you know, when, when there's a lot of commotion going on, there's, there's a hard time to hear or zero in or focus. And, and that has a lot to do with it, too. There's a hard, it's hard to focus when there's a lot of things going on around. And so when I hear the scripture, it always goes back to this part of zeroing in on hearing from God. And you can't hear from God unless you make the effort to be still. And, like, I mean, when we, you know, raising our kids and, you know, child, children are a perfect example. When they're talking and they don't realize how loud they are, I don't know if you, any, anybody experienced it. You have to think about that one. <laughs> but they don't. They don't have any reference of volume control. And, and when you say, shh, they seem to kind of pick up on it. They get it. And now you can whisper to them instructions. And it's the same thing that God would do with us. He says, I'm speaking. Would you quiet yourself? And, and it's an intentional activity that is actually an act of worship to zero in on god and so it's very simple profound but Mm. that scripture is very rich in activity to god and kingdom things
0: that's great thank you
3: no i was just thinking about how um, doing comes out of being we live out of who we believe ourselves to be and that we live out of that identity. And identity is formed from who we identify with. And who you identify with has a tendency to rub off onto you. You know, if you're married for a little while, uh, a lot of good things from Jamie have rubbed off onto me. Hallelujah. And uh, (laughs) that's a good thing. Because I see her often, I look into her face, and it looks back at me and it rubs off on me. The word anointing uh, one of the meanings of it is to rub off onto something. And so as I spend time with the Lord, He rubs off onto me. As I look at Jesus, I identify with Him. And as I identify with Him, it becomes part of my identity who I believe myself to be. Uh, kind of before I was saved many years ago, I used to love rock and roll. I know it was only rock and roll, but I liked it, you know. And uh, I identified with those guys, teenager, you know, wanted to be like them, look like them to a certain extent, and a lot of wrong perhaps rubbed off onto me. But now as I look at Jesus, I identify with him, and as I identify with him, I become more like him. What does the Bible say? But we all with open face beholding as in a glass or a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So anyway, all those thoughts kind of came up. When
0: that's great, Robert. Thank you. I love that uh, Robert highlighted that um, the doing follows from the being. Yeah? Because so everything that Jesus did for those next three years all flowed out of, you're my boy, <laughs> and you're great, and I love you. You know, And so that's how. Uh, I know... For me, I spend a lot of time trying to be more like Jesus and not really succeeding. And now that I've realized that being who he's made me to be is the key to becoming more like Jesus, I find it happening more easily than it did when I was trying. Which leads me to John 14 verse 18. Make sure I give you the right reference. Probably the most significant thing that Jesus said in all that he's taught us. He says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. And that's a promise I've claimed many times or settled into many times would be a better way to put it. Because whenever I see myself getting back into orphan thinking, whether it's, I've got to do something to please God, or it's looking at the world around me and thinking, well, you all need Jesus. (laughs) Both of those are orphan thinking because they're feeding from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not from the tree of life. But whenever I recognize orphan thinking, which thankfully I'm getting a little better at recognizing after 20 years of learning it, I go back to that, Jesus says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So my next kind of experience after recognizing orphan thinking yet again, is actually recognizing Jesus coming to me, which is why I love that song that we sang, would you just linger here a little longer, look into my eyes be mine because that's why he comes to me he doesn't come to me to, to straighten me out or to give me a dressing down or, or, or point out my faults he comes to me because he just wants to be in love with me and it's amazing because it took me a long long time to recognize it and everything religious in me rises up and goes but, 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 but. (laughs) But I remember that it was religious effort that killed Jesus (laughs) and so it's getting easier to turn away from it. I'd like to say I'm becoming more allergic to religion as I grow older. Let me toss out another thought that goes alongside this, but also challenges this. God created us for belonging, not for competing. It's what we just celebrated when we received communion together. We all belong in Him that means that whatever works for you benefits me whatever works for me benefits you we belong together so it's not just how can I grow my identity as a son and it's just me and him and just me and Jesus and I'm going to linger and the rest of you can go off and do whatever you want to there's another angle to this where actually I grow in my sonship by relating to my brothers and sisters so there's a tension there isn't there some of us are more wired to do our own thing and maybe just show up when we're ready or maybe not show up at all depending on your life language profile you know some of our languages tend more to be leave me alone I'm fine thank you Right, I'm very. I'm trying hard not to look at the people I know are first contem- first language contemplators in the room, but there's one over there. <laughs> we were joking before the rest of you arrived. Uh, it's all about relationship, and so there's an element of that that goes right along with what we've just been saying, and there's an element of that that kind of challenges and creates tension in what we've just been saying. And I just want to be honest about that, because I want you to recognize that there's this kind of tussle that you're engaged in because you're a human being who loves Jesus. And part of it is, how much can I receive my identity so that I'm a human being, not a human doing? But then out of that identity, I need to recognize that that identity is knit in with the whole of the ecclesia, the ones who've been called out into relationship with Jesus, who all belong together. And so there's a tension there. But God has called us to belonging, not to competing. Now sadly, church can be just as bad as anywhere else for people to compete with each other. Can't it? I'll come to you in just a second, Nancy. I saw that hand. (laughs) And I know that what you'll have to share will be very wise and helpful. But so often in church we get to competing don't we yeah it's like oh you know the ones who showed up early to help get everything set up they're much more spiritual than those of us who just rolled in as it was beginning or the ones who lead worship must be so much closer to Jesus than the ones of us who can't sing a note or or the ones who pray for hours a day God must be much more happy with them than me I sometimes forget to pray at all (laughs) Or, or whatever you know uh, the ones who do the daily Bible reading, oh, you know. What it, 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 competition sneaks in so easily, but it's still the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. And God doesn't like any of that. He's like, no, oh, don't eat that stuff, it'll kill you. That's a paraphrase, but that's basically what he said. <laughs> so hmm. we want to be valuing belonging, without slipping into competing but on the other hand we don't want to so relinquish competing that we become isolated individuals because this is a body we are the bride of christ well if you had a bride who just sent you a letter every six months and never showed up you wouldn't be very impressed right gentlemen (laughs) Or, use another picture, the church is a family. Well, I- if you never meet with your family, <laughs> and I recognize that in some of our families it's not safe and, and there's dysfunction and, and that's how it has to be. But it's tragic, isn't it? And it hurts us, doesn't it? Because we were made for family. So there's that, we've got to hold both things Kind of dynamic that I just wanted to to highlight, and I don't. Nancy, does your thought still fit with it after I've gone on? Because <laughs> if it does, I'd love to hear it.
4: Um, actually, yesterday me and Mama had a conversation um, just about what a struggle it is to to be in church in a body, because you know you know we've been in churches for long ter- periods of time and that whole push to do is so strong and our society is so oriented around success and doing that it's really a struggle to be and to be in relationship and to give ourselves time to be and have relationships and that but that when that doesn't happen as soon as you're not, you don't show up at church, everybody f- forgets about you. Because you've all been doing and not being, and you've all, um, you don't see yourself, you, you never give the relationships time to get to the point of being family. And, you know, if I can't, you know, I had this conversation with Mark when we started coming here. I said, Mark, is it okay if I yell at you sometimes because I'm mad? you know, is is that gonna be okay? Because I need to feel like this is a family Absolutely. and I can get upset and we can work it out. And so just, you know, and my heart in that is just to say that it's really hard. Yeah. I don't even have an answer to what that looks like. And I think, you know, you have to be in a body long enough and invest in the relationships enough that you're willing to walk through those uncertainties together. And, yeah, that's what I appreciate about here is that I feel like, you know, that, that we are trying it and not with all the answers ahead of time. And I, I, if we did try to do a, you know, this is the three ways to connect and be in a relationship with everybody, I would probably run screaming. um, But just that it really is a struggle and that you see that when you've been in churches enough that, you know, you realize that sometimes you really invest somewhere and, you know, but if you don't have those relationships that really go deep, it's hard for people to then care when you don't show up, when you can't do anymore.
0: No, That is very valuable, Nancy, and it's probably worth saying, I'll come to you just a second, Cynthia probably worth saying that we both have been in other churches in the past where Nancy probably did want to shout at me (laughs) in fact a couple of times you did shout at me (laughs) except that in that setting it wasn't okay now it was okay with me but it wasn't okay in the in the structure and so it felt kind of fake somehow you know Now, that's not a criticism of that church, because some of you know which church that was, and that doesn't exist anymore, and it's different now. But the structure sometimes doesn't help family happen. Yeah,
4: and that's the other thing, not to say anything bad about where I've been, but that our society is just not wired for this to work. And so everybody struggles with it, because we don't know any different.
0: Which is, which is why we engage with it, because you know Nancy rightly said, we can't give you the three ways to connect, because actually there's what one, two, three, four you know there's about twenty people in the room. that makes there's at least I might can't do the math fast enough, but you know twenty times twenty times however you know the in, in the individual interactions, I used to be able to do that in my head when I used to do statistics and probabilities and things, but the it, it's huge the number of ways to connect. <laughs> the, and when you add one more person into the mix to interrelate with all these other people, it gets even bigger. Uh, and so we're just going to have to sort of fumble our way through it, but let's at least do it from our being, not from our doing, and let's have grace for one another when we fumble it. Which is why I was so delighted when Nancy said, can I shout at you? And I, oh, please do.
5: And so imagine how difficult it could be for children Um, we're adults and we're trying to figure it out for a kid it is tough and so um, with the first comment that you made I was sitting here thinking about um, kids and how we sometimes push them into um, situations where they have they feel like they have to strive they have to accomplish they have to be the best they have to do so much um, but we forget to teach them how to just be and how to just sit and how to develop relationships and how to communicate with one another. And so we're seeing that now, um, Nancy, with the way that society is and how our kids are interacting with each other. So I think the biggest thing that um, that just came to mind for me is just us being careful about um, as we're going through our process of trying to come out of the orphan um, and into the sonship and all of that, that we are um, very careful when we're interacting with with our kids because it could have an effect on them. Um, You know, I see it within my family unit, um, just with how things, how I was raised and was in the religion and all of that stuff and how it had, you know, you think you're doing great, Um, you think you're doing a good job but then you realize that it's not Um, and so it does have an effect on on the kids so um, the prayer is that it will change that things will slow down enough for us to continue to, to start again teaching them how to be
0: thank you Cynthia as you can tell this is obviously going to be a conversation that has to continue because you're never going to fix it in one 40 minute interaction but it's very valuable for us to acknowledge this is where we are this is what god wants for us this is why we are who we are this is why we're this kind of church family because we want this to be a safe place to navigate these things and we have learned that unless you put the identity piece in first, the rest of it doesn't work. You may be able to build a structure that makes it look like it works for a season, but in the end it'll it'll crumble because the identity isn't there. So let me just offer you a couple more things, and then we're going to pray for one another if we may. okay? First thing I would offer you is that God is committed to us all becoming more childlike. Annette said that. Uh, Cynthia alluded to that in, in our needing to have grace for children the more I experience would you linger with me a little longer and Mark you're my son whom I love and I'm well pleased with you the more I can literally experience that rather than just think it nothing wrong with thinking but thinking alone is not enough there has to be that that settling into the depths of me. Which is why I dislike that translation of you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind because it makes it think, we here, you be transformed by the renewing of your brain. But it's actually not. It's the very innermost part of you that that word refers to. I chased a squirrel then. Where was I starting from? Yeah, so as we become more childlike, it becomes easier to have grace for one another. Because as I experience God saying to me, Mark, it's okay that you feel like you failed. Then if you feel like you failed, or if I feel like you failed, I've got grace for that. Because I know God has grace for me. I can have grace for you. Know, and I mean, as I look around the room, I've got history with all of you where I have failed in our relationship and I know you failed in our relationship too, but I hope we have grace for that. <laughs> and I know for some of us, it's not your relationship with me where you're conscious of, of failure or, or something out of whack. You know, there's other stuff in your past or other stuff in your present that's, e- that's bigger than that. I've got grace for that too because I've discovered my father's got grace for me and he's got grace for you. And so stepping out of orphan and into sonship is the key to becoming more childlike. And I haven't ever seen little kids, you know, the, the, the kindergartners, the first folks in your school, <laughs> typically don't hold stuff against each other they grow into that over time by the time they get to high school that's a whole different picture but when they first arrive with you all and that's what I love about your school is that you're trying to create that that climate where we hold on to that as long as we can even though the world's going in a different direction and that's beautiful but little kids don't hold stuff against each other and I want to be a little kid i wanna i want to be so loved by my heavenly daddy that I don't hold stuff against you and 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 I don't hold stuff against me either and I wanted us just to look at ephesians four just for a second before we pray because this is the way I want us to pray for one another there are lots of different places in the New Testament that talk about gifts, but this particular place in Ephesians chapter 4 talks about those fivefold gifts that Jesus gives to the church, and I'm not looking at what the gifts are specifically, but just at the fact that he gives them, because Jesus gifts every one of us to one another. And if religion has taught you that these labels in Ephesians 4.11 are titles and and ranks and positions, I would like you to drop that on the floor and put it under your foot and twist your foot around a bit like you would do if a cockroach came through. Well, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, in our house too, you hear the screech. Flip-flop! Quick! (laughs) (laughs) And then, Swack, swack, (laughs) swack! And then I know I have to go and get some kitchen. That's another squirrel. Come back to Ephesians 4. (laughs) Don't look at, at verse 11. I mean, you can look at verse 11, but what I want you to see is that God gives a range of gifts. And I want you to see verse 12, which tells us why he gives gifts. And before I read verse 12, I would like you to prod the person nearest to you and say, you are a gift. Yes. Okay. Everyone in this room. Okay. No more cockroaches. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. That's why you're a gift. You've got something that all the kids around you need you to share so they can benefit from you. Let's practice. Yes, Mark. I can't hear you. <laughs> okay. You have gifts that the kids around you need you to express so they benefit from who you are and so that we all grow in the body of Christ. Very good. Whoa, this is a good Sunday. Verse 13, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Did you catch that? Where does the unity of the faith come from? The knowledge of the Son of God. We've come full circle right back to, hey, wait, would you linger a little longer? Because I love you. <laughs> Annette's got her banner ready here. Jesus, our Savior. Yes. And uh, just a little typo there. You could also put my Savior. Just so you don't. But it's, it's collective and individual. <laughs> so I said earlier that this is a tension, you know, do I go off and develop my own relationship with Jesus so that I'm not here on a Sunday? Well, sometimes I will. But do I benefit from coming together whether it's on a Sunday or a Wednesday or whenever, you know? Yes, of course we do. And so here's what I'm hoping out of just laying this out yet again in in a slightly different way to the way we always say it but it's basically the same message every week isn't it we are here together in order to come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of god that's what true maturity is maturity is not how many bible verses you know or how many degrees you have on your wall or even how long you've been a believer or how many times you've been baptized, or how many, you know, how many different tongues you can speak in, or how well you can prophesy. or All of that stuff's good. Don't hear me wrong. It's all good, but maturity is the knowledge of the Son of God. So I want us just to be quiet for a moment and focus the eyes of our hearts on the one who's been here all along this morning saying here I am would you look into my eyes and linger for a moment because I believe every one of us can have a deeper experience of how much he loves us he wants us to start that right now so just let the eyes of your heart look into his eyes You may hear him speak your name with a smile. You may see the twinkle in his eye. You may hear him comfort or affirm you. Or he might just smile so that you know how loved you are. sense that at least for some of us he's literally placing his hand on your heart to bring the stillness that you long for so that you know he's not just God generically but he's your father, your Jesus, your God. Jesus, thank you for your closeness, thank you for your beauty, thank you for your patience with me, thank you most of all for your love, thank you that your love gives me my identity and I choose to let it take root more deeply again this morning. And as my identity takes deeper root, would you anoint me to interact with others here where I belong, or wherever you belong, for those who are visiting, but here where I belong. Would you anoint me to interact in ways that build us all up? so that we attain the unity of the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God. Thank you. Thank you. So I'd like you to Ask Jesus now, before we break up, ask him, what one thing do you want me to say or do to someone else in this room? To express that unity within the body. Maybe to say thank you. It may be to give a word of encouragement. It may be a prayer for increase in that love we've been talking about. Whatever it is he shows you. If he shows you to go shout at somebody like Nancy has permission to do to me, that's fine, but maybe step outside before you do so you don't shock too many other people. (laughs) But Jesus, what can I do right now to put this into practice? Just one thing that you show me that I can give to somebody else to build them up and to knit our hearts together even more. And to those of you who were not with us this morning, who are either watching this afterwards or hearing this through the website, please don't feel guilty, but we missed you. And we'll look forward to seeing you as soon as you can come back and join in from whatever else you've been doing. We love you. And we love all of you here in the room too. God bless you. Have a great week. Oh, I should have said the Wednesday evening, we've decided to make that more of a sort of worship and prayer gathering and do it once a month rather than meet every Wednesday. So the next one will be November the 9th and i think we'll we'll meet in here and we'll worship and pray and soak and receive it'll be a very beautiful evening focused entirely on god's presence a little bit like we did in the tent for those who came to the tent meetings but we'll be doing that once a month with the folks from one reach we decided that once a month was a rather more achievable valuable goal than meeting every week and so that's what we're changing to november 9th will be the first one and we'll put that out in the email this week so So no meeting this Wednesday. Have a great week. God bless you.